Hey everyone, welcome to the Be Your Own President show. I'm your host, Demka, and today we have a guest, Sunya, who is the founder of King's Code Academy and also works as a volunteer translator at TEDx. All right, welcome to the show, Sunya. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> All right, so can you please introduce yourself to the viewers? Yeah, so my name is Sunya. Well, it's Sundar, but most of my friends call me Sunya. I studied applied mathematics, but Ever since I was a child, I was very outgoing, so I've always loved working with a lot of people, communicating with a lot of people, and um, since going to university, I loved volunteering, and I spent a lot of time volunteering. Currently, I run a small academy to teach kids coding from a young age, so, so I do a lot of different kind of things, mm -hmm. <laughs> really random. Okay, that's interesting. So how long have you been studying English? since my second grade, since I was seven, so basically all my life. Mm -hmm. And I was lucky enough to be surrounded by people like all of my family members. They all speak a lot of different languages. My mom speaks three, my grandma also speaks like three or four different languages. So ever since I was a child, they were like, you have to learn English. Mm -hmm. So I started going to this uh, private school for my second grade and that's when I first started learning. Mm -hmm. uh, but it drastically improved when I changed my school to Avonflug, which is a math school, but I was super lucky because my teacher from previous private school also changed her job to my new school. So she came at the same time with me mm -hmm. and she knew my English level very well. So mm -hmm. she gave me different tasks. She made sure I was more I was tackling more challenging problems than my peers. So mm -hmm. I, I had a very lucky experience. Okay, that's interesting. Um, so today I want our topic to be about confidence, mm -hmm. um, which I believe is one of the most important skills that we need to have, especially because it affects our day-to-day -day lives and our interactions every single day. Um, what are your, what is your experience with confidence or confidence issues? So a lot of people might be surprised, like people who know me, that as a teenager I was really really diffident, which is, diffident is a word for opposite of confident actually. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the, I think the reason was that um, I did well in academics, I, um, I was very outgoing, it would look like I was very you know, confident on the outside, but as a teenager I was very, very shy, I was very stressed out. I think one of the reasons was firstly, as a teenager you were self-conscious about your looks, about how people are you know how so many people are better than you and secondly um, I used to compete for English language Olympiads mm -hmm. um, and I, I would do good in the district level and then we would do the next level which is capital like all of Lombardar city schools yeah. all the best kids would come and then I would meet all these uh, way more accomplished students who were speaking fluent English and I would look at them and think oh my god my English is so bad mm -hmm. I'm not improving so uh, another reason that I was not very confident was I think I didn't challenge myself enough, so I didn't know myself very well. Mm -hmm. um, one of the reasons, if you are not confident, it's probably because you honestly don't know what you're good at and what you're mm -hmm. not good at, and the more you know about yourself, the more confident you grow, mm -hmm. at least about the things you know, and then you're also more confident about things you don't know because you admit it to yourself, mm -hmm. and then you start working on um, your let's say, um, shortcomings. Mm -hmm. I agree with you because um, when I first started becoming more self-aware, if that's the term we're using, um, I was actually traveling in Europe because I was doing a volunteer uh, exchange program at this kindergarten in Poland. 
and I had to do a 35 trip from Poland, a 35 hour trip by bus from Poland to Switzerland. And in that 35 hours, you can think about anything you want because in the first 15 hours, my computer, my um, phone, they both went dead and I finished two of the books that I had and I only had a bottle of water and I was looking out the window and it just felt like I was in a movie. And then I was just like so depressed, <laughs> you know, this 18 year old kid just, you know, not even listening to music because there's no sad music to listen to. So it's just like silent sound. And then I was looking out the window and I was thinking about why I was there. And I was like, so why am I here? Why, why am I doing this? What's so great about traveling? You know, everyone's going on and on about traveling, you know, going alone. Yeah, it's like the best experience ever. But then at that moment, I was kind of questioning everything. But at the end of it all, I kind of looked back and I was like, okay, so because of this 35-hour bus ride, well, not specifically, but because of this whole experience abroad, I kind of got to know a little bit more about myself regarding um, what I want to do in the future, who I want to become, and why I'm doing all of this, why I'm doing what I want to do and stuff like that. Yeah. So um, I, I have a similar experience that I will share afterwards but another thing um, that really affected my confidence was I tried to apply to American colleges in my 10th grade uh, I was like 15 and back then we used to graduate after 11th year so it was a year before I graduated I was way too young and my English like I had to take TOEFL and SATs and my English language wasn't very good so I spent one whole summer only preparing for the application process mm. but even at the end of it I did very well on SAT writing, I did well on math, I did quite well on my TOEFL, my English, somehow magically my English speaking had improved. Um, the only problem I had was writing, um, mm -hmm. sorry, critical reading was mm, the, okay. the biggest challenge and um, I more or less I failed the application process. I got into some colleges but I didn't, have I didn't get enough scholarships. Mm -hmm. so, when I was graduating, I was very depressed, and my mm, <laughs> my sister was studying psychology, so she was explaining the whole like scientific process about what was going through my mind. I even went to see a psychologist, and my mm -hmm. family is very open-minded. They were like encouraging me to go um, uh, to search for help, mm -hmm. how to process this kind, you know, this um, this new stage of life, this this whole experience, and. Um, so I was going through a lot of different things. I was graduating, I was going through a major depression, but somehow mm. my family was very supportive. And I started the university in Mongolia. And, and then one more thing is that when you're applying to colleges, they ask for volunteer experience, which I didn't have. Mm -hmm. But that got me into wondering, like, why do they want me to be volunteering when I already have very good academic achievements, mm -hmm. I have very good, uh, you know, learning skills and everything, all the, all the academic I was actually very good and um, when I went to university I joined the Rotaract Club that mm -hmm. there are many around UB now yeah. um, so we were volunteering at an orphanage to offer different kind of classes on weekends mm -hmm. and when you start doing something new and then when you put yourself in a very different position and then I actually learned that I was good at many things that I didn't know I was mm -hmm. not very good at sometimes um, communicating my ideas very clearly, but I was sometimes good at organizing, you know, classes. So mm -hmm. there are a lot of things that I discovered about myself that I didn't in my secondary school, and that's when I realized the American college wants someone who has challenged themselves a lot, mm. who 
who's very self-aware, as you say, yeah. and who can also be comfortable with getting out of their comfort zone. So mm-hmm. my first two years of university years was just uh, learning to be confident. I also read a lot of books and um, I would collect quotes about being confident and I would write them down in my notebook mm-hmm. and I tried to literally um, try to live by it, just force myself to be more confident. It wasn't a very good idea, but those words really stuck around when I was afraid of a mm-hmm. challenge or when I would when I need some help, you know, these words would come back to me and mm-hmm. it was useful. Yeah. There's actually another thing that I want to add to that. I believe that may, maybe um, a lot of the reasons why colleges in other countries or maybe even um, companies or organizations in other countries don't accept, accept people who don't have volunteering experience is mainly because, um, as you said, they're not comfortable being uncomfortable. You know, because they will be put in positions where they'll be pushed to greatness. They'll be um, always be forced to do more than they can or could in the past. And it's going to put them in so many different uncomfortable situations where they either um, leave school or leave work or they're going to stick around and see it to the end. Mm -hmm. And the ones who actually are able to stick it to the end maybe come out uh, more confident, right? Um, there is part of the application process that everyone honestly hates is the essay part and that's mm, when you see mm. that you're not ready like if you can't write an essay if you're not if you can't find a topic if you can't um, express what you're thinking if you just don't feel like you're not ready mm. um, instead of filling out an application just leave it and then challenge yourself. I feel like I lost some time doing that application when I had already realized I wasn't ready for it Mm. and I simply could have just stopped doing it and then start growing myself. Mm. So that's what I do now. There are sometimes like opportunities come out but when I really listen to myself and I feel like I don't think I'm ready at the moment, I just postpone it until the next year or something and then I work on whatever skill or whatever quality that I'm not competent. So mm. um, one more thing about confidence is that you have to learn to admit that you're not perfect, that you just fully accept that you will never be good at everything. There is just no way. And just knowing how good you are at something and then how bad you are the other thing mm. only helps you. It only helps mm. you grow because you know you now have like certain landmarks and then you can put um, very realistic goals. Mm. Say you can just say, okay, if, if you're scoring TOEFL, 80 at the moment, you can just, you want to score 90 in three months, you don't have to make this huge frog jumps, you can simply um, make a very strategic plan and mm. work towards it over time. So mm. uh, I don't force myself to be good anymore, I only, when um, I apply for you know, a program or whatever, I haven't done it for a while actually, mm. but I, I'd rather look at it as a self-challenge and then internalize whatever um, reflection I made mm-hmm. upon filling out that application. Um, now, I think we should move on to talk about the tips that we can give to people mm-hmm. regarding confidence. And it's actually something that you just mentioned, which was that um, there, there's nothing that, uh, understand that there's nothing, uh, the, understand that there's some things that you will never be good at. Mm-hmm. And not because you are born into this world not being able to do that thing, okay? But because sometimes your opportunities, your environment, other reasons 
allow you, I don't allow you to do that. And what I want to sort of um, owe this to is because, for example, if someone was born into a household, a household where um, the parents or the caregivers are musicians, right? Then at, at a young age, at three, four years old, you can start playing the guitar. And by the age of 15, you'll be a masterful guitar player. Um, whereas some people are born into, you know, a family, families where um, they're, they're politicians and they want their son to be president or something. Yeah. And just like this, many different people have different opportunities and different environments. And it's not that you can never be good at something. It's just that um, since you were young, you did not have the opportunity. And right now, when you're 20, 20 something years old, you don't have the time to practice you know it's because they say you have to practice 10,000 hours to become a master at something well do you have 10,000 hours to practice um, 10 different things at the same time no right so it's probably better to put all of your bets into one thing you know give 10,000 hours hours to that and then become successful at that so um, that leads on to my question in your opinion what are the best methods for someone to become more confident in themselves. Mm -hmm. So confidence, the most important, at least for me, the most important thing, uh, the most important step for becoming more confident was improving at whatever that is. You know, for me it was speaking English and I honestly didn't speak very well until I was 15. I was very shy. I, I honestly was very stressed out about it. So, and I didn't have any, I didn't have much opportunity to practice it, as you just mentioned. Um, but uh, I, I, I would try to speak to total strangers in the streets, like tourists. I would um, listen to a lot of uh, lectures in English or watch movies in English. Mm -hmm. Just simply improve it and even talk to myself a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think that really helped me. I felt really stupid at the time, of course, mm -hmm. doing yeah, that. Definitely. But <laughs> afterwards, now that I think about it, I spent a lot of time working on it. Like. I committed myself to it, and that's something I thought about every single day. Mm -hmm. When I was 15, I would wake up and just want to speak better English. That mm -hmm. was what I wanted, and you have to want it really badly, and then you have to work towards it, put in a lot of uh, commitment mm -hmm. and a lot of time. It's going to require a lot of time to be proficient in anything, just mm -hmm. anything. Uh, it doesn't matter what it is. There are lots of people who say that you, there are tr tr tricks to learning English really fast mm -hmm. and stuff, but that's not going to work out. Yeah, so you have to work a lot and then you have to be okay with not achieving on the first try or even mm. the, in the first 10 tries or even if the first 100 tries. Mm -hmm. It's going to take a lot of tries and then just you can't give up and be more gentle with yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, not being confident is okay. It's because you need to work more on yourself. So just be more gentle, tell yourself that you're working towards the goal mm -hmm. and then have some milestones, for example, in a three mm -hmm. months, like have a milestone to reach in three months or another half a year. Mm -hmm. So when you reach it, you'll be more, you'll be more happy with yourself, you'll mm -hmm. be more proud of yourself, and hence more confident with yourself that mm -hmm. you can tackle harder challenges. Yeah, definitely. I feel that experience, um, mainly repetition and practice, mm -hmm. is plays such a huge role in anything. Um, and it goes really hand in hand with mm -hmm. Um, confidence because the more you practice speaking English the more you practice writing English and the more you repeat it every single day let's say you repeat something for 356 uh, 365 days 
then on the 366th day, someone tells you, okay, so can you do that thing? Then you wouldn't even think about it. It just, it's, it's automatic, automatically built into your mind and it built into your sort of soul and your physical body. So practice and repetition is definitely something that people should start learning and they should sort of integrate it into their skills and into their values, um, whatever they want to learn, um, as long as they want to become more confident in something or, yeah. Um, another thing that really helped me grow more confident was traveling solo. Mm -hmm. So I was 19 when I first traveled to Europe by myself. I was going to visit some people. I, like, I already had some friends and family in Europe. And the reason I traveled was a friend of mine who's a German guy, he was living in Mongolia as a volunteer. And that was, for me, that was super surprising because all I wanted was to get out of Mongolia and I was surprised people would come to work for free in Mongolia in the middle of a winter. And he was, you know, he was the same age as me, but he was um, so much more open to new experiences. He wanted to travel all around the world and he asked me, um, he told me that the place he wanted to visit most was Machu Picchu. And at the time, I didn't know what Machu Picchu was. Yeah. I was kind of like ashamed. It's such a popular place, and there, there was still internet. I would spend, I was spending a lot of time on internet, and I simply didn't know about these amazing places. And I realized, if I don't know about these incredible places or you know experiences, I can't even dream about it. So I have to learn a lot about the world, uh, and then dream about it. So I set my goal to travel to Europe by myself. I had saved up like formula to work in two mm. years. I was doing a lot of translation yeah, jobs, gigs, and my yeah. mom was telling me to save it all up, not to spend mm -hmm. it. So she was still providing money while I could save up my own travel mm -hmm. money. Mm. And then um, when I took the first trip, everyone was like, at the time it was not popular for young girls to, to travel on their own, honestly. Mm. Even my Definitely. aunt was surprised that my mom let me yeah. go. But just as you said, I spent so much time being on my own, being in completely unfamiliar places, doing something really strange, missing my bus, uh, looking for a station. And then once in Czech, I, in Prague, I arrived at 10 p.m. I was supposed to arrive at 6, but my bus was totally canceled. So I had to take this um, different bus from Dresden to Prague at 8 p.m. And it was just two hours ride. But when I arrived in a completely different country, in an completely strange city. It was middle of the night and I had no idea how to get to my hostel from yeah. the bus station. So for me that single night was honestly the most scary. And then as soon mm. as I arrived after like half an hour of getting lost, I finally mm. arrived at the hostel and the um, receptionist told me to go outside and fetch my money from my card. There isn't that he was like there's an ATM outside, you can't pay with card. Mm. And for me that was very scary because I had finally arrived at the place I was supposed to and I almost didn't want to leave, you know, mm. I didn't want to go out again because it was, it was a, a street full of bars so there were a lot of people drinking and then yelling yeah. and I was simply, for me that wasn't very comfortable. Mm. So I still had to go out, fetch some money, pay for my room and then mm. that night I cried a little bit because <laughs> I was under so much stress that evening and I yeah. was all alone. I didn't have phone by the way, it had died mm. and I didn't have SIM card for Germany. So mm. I did. I couldn't contact anyone. I couldn't get any help. So I only had to believe in myself yeah, <laughs> that definitely. I would reach Prague somehow. So it was just two hours ride, honestly, in UB. That's nothing. But for me, that was the longest trip of my life. Yeah. And after that, I realized that just as you say, that I was more confident. 
I was more okay with being in totally unfamiliar situations, mm-hmm. and and I realized that you don't have to be okay all the time. There will be mm-hmm. a lot of shitty times, and that's really part of life. Yeah. And you have to accept it. You just that trip taught me one most important thing, which is stop trying to make everything perfect. Just mm. just everything be as it is and mm. adapt to different situations. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, because as you, as we're both kind of saying, um, experience goes hand in hand with confidence. Whatever you're experiencing, the more confident you will be in that field or in that certain area. Um, but nowadays, there are a lot of young people who want to become more confident but are lacking the experience to become more confident. And I believe that a lot of volunteer organizations offer these a lot of organizations offer these volunteer programs for you know young people who have just graduated high school to come in and you know do what other people do after they graduate university and stuff like that. And there's so many organizations, but the only problem is you know which are the best, which organizations and companies offer the best volunteer mm-hmm. programs. So what do you think? So honestly, the best ones will give you enough freedom to try out new things, you know, mm. organizations like these, if, if they are offering intern positions, it means they need help, hand, they need mm. help, mm. so they need not only hand, but also great minds, so um, I volunteered in different organizations, but once I had great, the most uh, fruitful experience was once that gave me a lot of freedom and mm-hmm. um, opportunity to experiment with new things, mm-hmm. and that would make you feel more Firstly, more responsible towards what you're doing because it's something you came up with. You mm-hmm. want to really see it succeed, and then they'll have less scrutiny over you. If you mm-hmm. have someone looking over your shoulder all, all the time and criticizing every single move, every single mm-hmm. mistake, you won't grow much. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's understandable that organizations don't want to, you to make a mistake, but mm-hmm. there are certain mistakes that they need to allow you because you're very young and you're. Mm-hmm are doing it for the first time and you're probably coming up with something that might not even work. But mm-hmm. as long as you're not hurting their reputation, um, creating a lot of useless expenses or something, not mm-hmm. hurting the organization in any way, they should allow you to uh, make mistakes yeah. and try something new. And uh, for me it was with the Rotaract and also with TED Translators. Uh, so TED has, a lot of you probably watched TED.com videos, mm-hmm. so they have a huge volunteer program that's completely virtual. So you sign up as a volunteer translator and then you translate videos into different languages. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a, it's the most solitary volunteer work you can honestly come up with because mm-hmm. you're, just, you're just sitting in front of your computer and then translating videos, uh, yeah. so, uh, trans, um, subtitles. Mm-hmm. So. Um, for me, it's, it, it wasn't, it didn't, it's not the kind of experience that makes you grow so much as a person. It's more like very fulfilling for you, you know. Mm. You're sharing your knowledge, you're using your knowledge to share amazing ideas with people who mm-hmm. won't have access to it otherwise. Yeah, you know? definitely. So it's giving you this intrinsic value. And then there are some other which give you extrinsic, like the, uh, when I was working at Rotaract and we were offering this class at the orphanage, a lot of people would be very proud of me, you know, they would be like, oh my god, you're doing this amazing work, you're really helping these kids, and they wouldn't know exactly how much impact I'm having, mm-hmm. but they would just, just by the sound of it, they would say it's amazing, but honestly, yeah. I still don't feel like I did enough there, mm-hmm. I, we didn't continue 
uh, after a year because mm -hmm. it wasn't funded at all. So we weren't even experienced enough to think, you know, to look for funding and then to make it more sustainable. We were yeah. just looking at a very short-term program. So I learned from that, but it gave me so much freedom. Um, we didn't have, you know, senior members who were limiting us in any way. So we mm -hmm. were just students who really wanted to give back. And we did everything we could to make this uh, program continue for half a year. So mm -hmm. for me, that freedom of um, experimenting is the most important. And I can't really say names because I really want to in very few places. Mm -hmm. um, but even with uh, the same for paying jobs, if you are being paid to do something, and if you cannot make any mistakes, as a young person, you really, mm -hmm. really won't be growing. So it's okay to make mistakes and employers need to understand that mm -hmm. and set a bar of mistake, mm -hmm. you know, the errors that their juniors can make. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, and also, I want to add something to this um, because I think we're on the topic of talking about cultures in different organizations. And I think a very important culture for an organization employing volunteers is not scolding someone for making a mistake. And where, where, uh, when, it, when in truth that person made the mistake thinking it was the right thing to do. So uh, let me sort of clarify what this means. Let's say you're doing something, you're fixing a, a car, you're fixing, I don't know, you're, you're printing in some files, and then you think this is the correct way to do it. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, okay, so I'm going to print 5,000 copies of the same thing, and then you do it 5,000 times. And then your boss comes in, and then he says, what are you doing? Why did you do this 5,000 times? This is not the right one. And then you get scolded by that, and then you're a volunteer. You're not even getting paid to do that. And then that sort of culture restricts, um, if, if you scold someone for doing something wrong where in fact they think they're doing it right, then it creates a culture where the volunteers actually stop experimenting mm -hmm. because they think they're doing it right and then they do it, but then the boss comes and starts yelling at them and telling them, oh, you, you have to leave now, you screwed us, oh, uh, you know, like hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then you're left with this thought you know, this subconscious in your mind saying, oh, so whatever I thought was right is now wrong. Mm -hmm. Now, what, where, what confidence do I have to do my next thing that I want to experiment? And then you're sort of restricting other people from doing that. Mm -hmm. And I think the best culture to have is to really train your volunteers and make sure they never make a mistake. And if they make a mistake, clarify um, that, you know, the mistake they made was not because they intentionally did it mm -hmm. or accidentally did it. They thought it was right and that's why they made, made the mistake. And so for the volunteers out there who actually want to become volunteers, work in an organization like that where people don't scold you for doing something wrong when you actually thought it was right. Mm -hmm. Okay. But then if you actually made a mistake and then it was your fault and you were d too dumb to, uh, to you know, read the rules or then that's just that's just your mistake. You should yeah. you should be fired. <laughs> you should be okay with making mistakes too. You shouldn't mm. uh, blame someone else. You shouldn't blame yourself. It's okay. Everyone makes a mistake. It's even on Game of Thrones. You can see that mm. they have lots of you know things oh, yeah. left behind. So mm. even at this highly, uh, like you know, they they hiring the most you know the most high paid experts around the world, but 
even they are making mistakes because that's normal. But yeah, I mean, um, it's really normal for Mongolian bosses to yell at someone. Like, it's just it's just the culture and. Yeah. Honestly, I would say be okay with it. Just because someone's yelling at you, you shouldn't give up. I've seen a lot of people giving up Definitely. after being yelled at. Like, so it's quite normal of Mongolian bosses to yell at you, and you should be okay with it. I've seen a lot of young people cute or be discouraged or even get angry that they're being yelled at. But it's, you should, it's not personal. Honestly, personally, it's not personal. It's because they are so stressed. Mm. Mongolia is a very unpredictable country there's always so much happening at the same time it's mm -hmm. very low paid like mm -hmm. generally you know the average salary is much lower than the world yeah. average so it's just Definitely. everyone is very stressed so it's not personal you shouldn't take it personal like just detach the facts from the emotions what's the fact so what is the mistake you made what could you have done better what you couldn't have done better what did you need more help for okay so when you have facts uh, you start working on that and then mm -hmm. if there are certain things that you could have done better, do it better next time. If there are certain things mm -hmm. that you need more guidance and help on, um, try to explain to your senior or supervisor next time that, mm -hmm. that you don't know how to do something very well, that you need help on. Just be open about it. Don't mm -hmm. hide. If you're not good at if you don't know how to do something, don't hide it. Because I've seen that a lot mm -hmm. and it's really not a good strategy. I've done it myself too. Yeah. It's, it just cost you more yeah um, so it's uh, and then you have to get used to some people just not uh, understanding how amazing person you are that they are not mm. seeing your best sides uh, it's your work to show them your best qualities mm. and make them and convince them that you're worth keeping that you're really worth mm. keeping around and yeah. you're valuable yeah Even um, as a volunteer and honestly I used to lead a lot of volunteers on volunteer work and I had very high standards. Just because you're a volunteer doesn't mean you can do shitty work because yeah. the the organization's work or the project depends on the quality of your work. So I mean, we were really, like, at least we were very open that we were expecting some very high quality and then we were expecting commitment. So our, uh, volunteer organizations should be clear about the expectations. Uh, how many hours are you expecting? How much, what kind of quality of work are you expecting? Yeah. Um, so. Volunteers should accept that and then go in for that. They can just, I've seen some volunteers who are like, oh, I'm not getting paid, I'll do whatever I want. And that would make me really angry because mm. we weren't just looking for anyone. We were looking for volunteers who were capable and skilled. Yeah. And uh, I work at abroad and volunteers, they're, they're like university professors, executives. They also do volunteer work mm. with whatever knowledge they can. So volunteer work isn't mm. for people who don't have skill. It's for people to... Um, spend their time more meaningfully, give back to their communities mm -hmm. and grow as, as, you know, grow their inside persons. Mm -hmm. um, and it gives you a lot of intrinsic value. Mm. Uh, it doesn't mean you can do whatever you can and then just leave it when you can. So you mm -hmm. have to uh, understand that you can get better, be more confident mm. and most importantly, don't give up because I've seen a lot of volunteers give up very easily. Yeah. I mean, they, could have had an amazing opportunity to really improve themselves. Mm -hmm. I've I've actually said something related to that. Um, I've I've started the seventy five hard challenge thing uh, a few days ago, and I shared a photo of myself and with a little text on the bottom, <clears throat> and it said, "I started playing a playing the guitar mm. a few years ago, and then after a few months, I gave up because I realized that." 
um, you know, I wasn't reaching any goals that I wanted to reach and I wasn't getting any better. And that's, I think, the most, I, say, I think the most cases with other people as well because they start doing something and the minute they come across a wall or they, the minute they come across feedback or the minute they come across, you know, some, some random yelling boss or whatever, the, the first um, reaction in their mind is, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give up. I can't do this anymore. This is too hard. Mm-hmm. When, in, in fact, life is not going to be too, um, that easy. You know, you're always going to come across some kind of wall. And it's your job to, you know, either go over, um, under, or whatever, right? So <laughs> you have to figure it out. So um, don't give up every time you face some kind of problem or face kind of, some kind of wall, mm-hmm. basically. Yep. All right. So that is it for the Be Your Own President episode number three. Thank you, Sunya, for being our guest today. Thank you for having me. I hope it was helpful, but I was very scared, actually. It's all right. Everyone's scared at some point until they actually do it, right? Exactly. Um, Yeah. So that's it for today. If you like this video, like, comment, share, subscribe smash that like button also share probably like it would be amazing if you also share your similar experiences volunteer jobs having making a horrible mistake or whatever and just share and just get it out you'll you'll feel way better (laughs) yeah don't be afraid uh, um that people will judge you for commenting on my videos or something like that (laughs) yeah don't be afraid of judgments (laughs) yes exactly all right i'll see you guys later Bye.